Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We're continuing our study in the book of Revelation. We are now in chapter 14. We're going to be looking at the 144,000 on Mount Zion, and then we're going to begin a look at the three messages proclaimed from midheaven. Let me just give you a recap of where we are, because chapter 14 is part of a unit. Let's go back at least to chapter 12, and there we saw that there was this great war in heaven. There was St. Michael, there was Mary and her son, and Satan cast out of heaven to earth, and he is furious. He knows that his time is short. He's going to be persecuting the people of God, and we're left with the warning that big trouble is on the way. That was chapter 12. Then we go into chapter 13, and we see there are two beast rising before us. The first beast from the sea, the Antichrist, he seems to be able to take control of the entire world, particularly the world's governments and the financial systems. And then later in chapter 13, along comes his pal, the false prophet, who leads the unbelieving world to worship him. So you have world government, world finances, world religion, and they're worshiping the Antichrist as God. And really what comes to fruition in Revelation 13 is the great satanic lie that was first proclaimed in Genesis chapter 3, where Satan says, you shall be as God. And mankind claiming himself the ultimate idolatry, proclaiming himself to be God. And as I mentioned, this isn't just the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be sure to affirm the divinity of the entire human race. So after those two chapters, the situation seems entirely hopeless. And that's why we have the hopeful chapter 14 right before us, because chapter 14 really jumps to the end of the age. We're in chapters 12 and 13 as we approach the end of the age, but the book of Revelation isn't a simple chronology. It jumps ahead to the very end sometimes, and the reason it's doing so, I believe, is to give us hope, and what we find is another vision from St. John. Then I looked And lo, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him a hundred and forty-four thousand. And with this large group, they sang a new song. So what's going on here? Okay, remember, the beast and the false prophet have created this comprehensive, compulsory, worldwide system It's persecuting Christians. You don't go along with it. And then you have the lamb on Mount Zion. What's the deal with Mount Zion? There's several places in the scripture. And Mount Zion, by the way, is going to take on even increasing importance as we get to chapter 16 in the Battle of Armageddon. But from Psalm 2, we read, the kings of the earth and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. The anointed one is the Messiah. 
That's what Messiah means. And it says in the second Psalm, let us burst their bonds asunder, cast their cords from us, liberation from all authority and all moral constraints. But it says he who sits in the heavens laughs, then he will speak to them in his wrath. And this is what it is. Psalm 2, verse 6, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Mount Zion is going to become the place of the proclamation of the kingship, the universal, comprehensive, everlasting kingship of Jesus Christ. And so when the whole world looks bleak and dark and that the Antichrist has the whole thing locked down forever, we switch to a new vision and we see, no, Jesus is going to be the one with universal kingship. Let me just give you another example of Mount Zion because so often living in the United States, whatever you think we are, a democracy or a republic, it's far away from living in a kingdom. Psalm 48.2 says, beautiful in elevation, the joy of all the earth, Mount Zion, the city of the great king. So you see what's going on here. We have a vision of Christ's kingship when the Antichrist kingship seems to be holding sway. Now, who are the 144,000? There's a lot of theories out there. I think the, the simplest and clearest and most reliable understanding, what's 144,000? It's 12 times 12, 12 squared times 1,000. Well, you have the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament. You have the 12 apostles leading the New Testament people of God. And then the number 1,000 is just in the Bible a really, really large number. So it's like the full comprehensive people of God are standing together with their king. And on their foreheads is the name of his father and Jesus, in contrast to those who have taken the mark of the beast that we learned about in Revelation chapter 13. So they sang a new song. What's this all about? Well, if you turn to the Old Testament, Pharaoh is one of the Old Testament precursors, prefigures of the Antichrist. He was a dominating tyrant, a persecutor of the people of God. And when he pursued the Israelites, they came to the Red Sea and it looked like it was going to be total, complete curtains. There's no way a bunch of slaves are going to resist one of the mightiest armies on earth led by Pharaoh himself. And they miraculously crossed the Red Sea, and what do they do? They crossed the Red Sea in Exodus 14, but Exodus 15 has them singing the song of Moses. It's the song of deliverance, and this is, in a sense, a prefiguring of the new Exodus, when it looks like total curtains, a total hopeless situation. That's Revelation 13. We see the next vision, and it's hopeful when the Lamb is installed as king on Mount Zion, his holy hill. Now we come to Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 12. And for myself personally, this is one of my focal points in the book of Revelation. There's, there's so many important passages in here, but just for myself personally, this section 
about these three messages from heaven are really important. Let me just start with verse 6. John writes, Then I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the fountains of water. I like to do something a little different in this episode. I would like to give you my personal reflections on Revelation 14. And by that, I mean I try to give a pretty direct exposition of the scriptures as we go through. I'm not infallible, but I try to stick very close to the original meaning what is trying to be conveyed, what is being understood in the church throughout the ages, what's in the catechism. But I want to share with you a personal reflection, and and here's something, and I'm trying to remember this because it's been in my mind for years, but I'm almost certain it was before I even became a Catholic. When you read this, particularly in the original language, which was Greek, you read that there's a a angel flying in mid-heaven proclaiming the eternal gospel with a loud voice. Now, in Greek, angelos, the word for angel, can also mean messenger, or it can mean both, kind of an angelic messenger or whatever. But the idea is that there's a messenger, and it can be simply like someone delivering a telegram, so to speak, could be an angelos, or it could be an angel uh, giving someone a message. And it says, flying in mid-heaven, proclaiming the eternal gospel with a loud voice. Now, this could be, personally, I don't think it is, but it could be a literal angel with wings flying through um, lower levels of space or the upper atmosphere and shouting with incredibly loud voice uh, these very words that we read in Revelation chapter 14. But we could also see this. If angel means messenger and flying in mid-heaven being a first century way of saying orbiting space around the earth or the upper atmosphere and a loud voice, yes, it could be shouting, but it could also be broadcasting. And it's very interesting that, well, it was a shock to become a Catholic and it was another shock to be invited to be a part of EWTN radio. I can remember when I first went to EWTN Radio, it's about 45 minutes outside of Birmingham, away from the television network, and on the bulletin board was a passage from Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6. And I thought to myself, does anybody here really realize the significance of this verse for the potential? Because you could stand in the control room and for one of the first times in human history, literally north, south, east, and west, the gospel going all around the world. And at the same time, I heard a story that Mother Angelica had had a visitation when she went up to the mountain where the radio station ended up being built from St. Michael himself. And I had to just kind of dig, dig, dig and pull pieces together because this wasn't a published story, but it is now a published story. 
And if you look on page 218 of Raymond Arroyo's a book on Mother Angelica, it says this, and this is how the worldwide radio came to be. She excitedly told of a breakthrough she had during her meditation. She had found a scripture passage, Revelation 14, 6, and I saw another angel flying through the midst of heaven, having the eternal gospel to preach to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. She thought worldwide radio was the obvious answer. And so they, when they went up to this location, this mountaintop, rather rough area, about 45 minutes from Birmingham, they found an old peach orchard and then her eyes fixed on something outside the radio. And this is from page 226. She said, do you see St. Michael up there? Where, where? Right there. She pointed in the distance. Do you see him? I don't see anything. She said, well, I do, and we're buying it. And hence came EWTN Radio. Now, I realize that a lot of people um, get into trouble seeing Black Hawk helicopters in the Book of Revelation or the Cold War invasions of Israel in the 1980s or the barcodes. Now it's uh, whatever technology, and it's, it's very dangerous to do so. But how many radio studios worldwide with the fullness of the Catholic faith have now come with messengers flying in the midheaven so the world can hear the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ? We're going to get back to the three messages next time, but I wanted to share with you my personal reflections. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 108 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.